everyone, welcome back to New Slang. I'm music journalist Thomas Mooney, and on this episode, I am joined by Jonathan Clay of Jamestown Revival. I caught up with Jonathan last week to talk about their latest EP, Fireside with Louis L'Amour, a collection of songs inspired by tales of the American West. Long story short, these six songs were written and based off the first six short stories in Louis L'Amour's first volume of short stories. The storytelling is rich, and the characters, they all feel familiar in some form or fashion. They're all those like classic prototypes that we've come across with the great westerns of our life, whether that's film, TV, novels, or even just hearing stories from old timers around that proverbial campfire. Like most, I have that shelf on my bookshelf that's dominated by Louis L'Amour books. Again, there's just something really, really classic and comforting about a Louis L'Amour book. And I've often used them as a palate cleanser of sorts between longer novels, since they are these nice, quick, and brief stories. And as Jonathan mentions, they too are longtime fans. You'll even see that in the title of their second album, since it does share the same title as L'Amour's autobiography, The Education of a Wandering Man. I do want to note that there are a couple of times when Jonathan's phone, it drops out just a little bit. I typically try and take all those things out, but I left them this time around because they're really that brief. And even when I did cut them out, like it just doesn't make sense or sound any better without them there. So at least when they're there, they're providing a little bit of context. Today's presenting partner is our pals over at Desert Door Texas Soto. If you've been listening to New Slang for really any amount of time, you'll know that Desert Door is one of my all-time favorite premium, high-quality spirits. If you haven't or aren't sure what exactly a Soto is, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that's going to up the game on your liquor cabinet. For starters, the best reference point that I can point you to is to think about a tequila or a mezcal. Do you feel that western desert, that Texas ruggedness? Okay, Soto is like that, but a little bit more refined, smooth, and fragrant. It intrigues the palate and offers these hints of vanilla and citrus. There's an earthiness that often sends me right back to my Trans-Pecos and Far West Texas roots. There's plenty to love about Desert Door. For me, it all starts right there. A close second is just how versatile Desert Door really is. You can go full highbrow and experiment with concocting a variety of cocktails that call for muddling fresh fruit, sprigs of thyme, sticks of cinnamon. It's perfect for that world. If you're a little bit more down home, if you've just rolled up the sleeves of your denim wrangler button up, it's perfect for that as well. If you're just desiring something that's short and sweet, it hits the mark every time. Desert Door is genuine and authentically West Texan. It's inherently West Texan. They harvest soto plants out in the wild and are knowledgeable conservationists at heart. That's obviously something incredibly important to me. They shine a light on what makes West Texas special and unique and worth preserving and keeping it safe from exploitation. Right now, you can find Desert Door all over Texas, Colorado, Tennessee, and there's budding numbers in places like New Mexico, Arizona, California, and Georgia. Best thing you can do is to check out DesertDoor.com to find where Desert Door is locally. Again, that's DesertDoor.com. 
All right, by now you guys probably know the drill, but if this is your first time listening to New Slang and you haven't hit that subscribe button, go ahead and do so. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave one of those five-star reviews. And of course, New Slang is super grassroots, so you just spreading the word to your friends and family and sharing on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, that all goes a super long way. Be sure to check out the merch store while you're at it. That would be newslangpodcast.bigcartel.com. We have t-shirts, koozies, mugs, all that kind of stuff over there. So yeah, go order some stuff. (laughs) And of course, all the links, they will be in the show notes. Anyway, this episode right here is pretty short, so I'm going to go ahead and just leave this intro on the short end as well. Here's Jonathan Clay of Jamestown Revival. Yeah, so I guess let's just start off with what you guys have out right now. Uh, two weeks ago, you guys released the uh, Fireside with Louis L'Amour uh, EP. And of course, like those are all inspired by, you know, like uh, some Louis L'Amour songs or stories, short stories. Um, yes. So like how does, a, how does a concept EP project get started like that? What, what was kind of like the... the inception of that what sparked the idea essentially you know we've been a fan of louis lamore for a long time we read his autobiography the education of a wandering man and if you're familiar with our music then Mm -hmm. some then you're gonna be uh some bells are gonna go off saying oh i recognize that song title well the song title was actually lifted from the title of his autobiography as a hat tip to him um and the guy's just He's an incredible author. He's sort of, he's a national treasure of sorts and his writing is incredible. And, you know, we th- what's cool about his short stories is in such a, a short amount of time, he manages to build characters, really bring you into the story. And then oftentimes hit you with an unexpected ending or bring the, the story full circle um, in a way that you didn't expect. And I think it's cool to, to pull some of those techniques and elements into songwriting. You see it a lot in old country music. You see it especially in uh, like 90s country music. Um, and it's a, it's a cool songwriting technique. Um, whereas some songs are kind of moods or more ethereal or atmospheric. Some songs are very much story. And we've always had a, a real appreciation and fondness for those, for those songs that are written in that fashion. So it, it was cool to, to have the inspiration um, and sort of let these stories be our true north and really just musicalize these stories. Right. I think like if, you, if you've been listening to you guys since the beginning, you can really see that, what I would call kind of like that pioneer or frontier spirit. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of always been in there as far as the – you know, go West young man type of thing, right? The uh, trying to like find whatever that American spirit is. And um, it's so interesting because obviously we live in 2021 where there really isn't like the same frontier as as it was back in the 1800s or anything. But it's interesting how you guys have been able to parallel that even with, you know, the the growing of of a person, of an individual and trying to find themselves is still kind of the same thing. There's some commonality there. Yeah. I mean, there's a, not so much a physical frontier so much as a proverbial frontier these mm-hmm. days, 
but it, I think the idea of expedition or journeying to pushing yourself into a place unknown um, and just exploring. And I think exploring takes on a new meaning now because humans have explored every inch of this incredible planet at this point, but as an individual, there's still a lot to explore and, uh, and personally, there's still a lot to explore. So I think kind of going out in those leaps of faith and, um, and pushing your own boundaries, uh, experiences and, you know, I think it, it, it's always something we found really inspirational. It was that was the inspiration behind our entire first album when we headed west out to California. It it was you know it felt like we were exploring a new frontier, uh, and then just you know creatively, like doing this project is just it's not typical. It's outside the realm of what we normally do, but it's it's cool to get yourself out of these boxes that you know the, these boxes of comfort and push yourself into into new different places. Right. You mentioned how obviously like Louis L'Amour was able to have so much character development in such a short amount of time, short amount of mm-hmm. time as far as like even obviously like these, this set of songs are, are inspired by short stories, but even his novels are very, very short. They're in that very, very much like that Pulp Fiction kind of way of telling a story where let's get as much done as possible but, um, yeah, I, I find that incredible as far as like you guys, you know, taking these hints from that kind of development, was there any challenges do you feel like, um, for this EP specifically when it came to picking these six songs? Cause from what I gather, I guess it's like the first six songs of that first volume of short stories. Was there any yeah. idea of like, oh, we may need to like skip one or anything like that or. Was there was a the desire. Challenge? Yeah, there was a desire to skip one, but we didn't let ourselves do it. We wanted to take it. It was important for us for to be for the listener to be able to follow along chronologically. So to be able to read the first short story and that coincide directly with the first song and the second short story and so on. And so we didn't let ourselves skip. We wanted to stay disciplined in that sense and keep you know, keep everything in order. And there were some songs that lent themselves better to it than others. There were some songs where we felt like there were a lot of critical details and it's, and we had to really sort of, we had to make cuts where we felt like it was absolutely necessary. And we had to maintain things one way or another that we felt like were critical. You know, one story was, you know, killing type. And it's a story about, you know, someone who's accused of murder but as the story develops, they realize maybe this guy actually didn't do it. And maybe we got swept up in sort of this mob mentality. And um, and then towards the end, uh, this guy actually lets them in. They find his house. He lets them in. He feeds them dinner. And, you know, in their minds, they start to really believe that, you know, what, maybe we jump to some conclusions here. But how do you put that in a song? You know, it's a lot of detail. It's a lot of development to put into a song. So what we did was at the end, we just sort of left it open-ended. And we did it musically as well as lyrically and left it up to the listener to sort of make their interpretation of what was going on inside these guys' minds. Right. Obviously, like a huge aspect of this 
is the the fireside aspect. The you want to put the listener into this uh, this campfire setting. Um, obviously, when it, when it came to the the sonic quality of the record, you keep it very very minimal as well. Um, was there you know was there anything like where you're like oh maybe these songs um, was there any like I guess temptation to add anything else to the to the sonic aspects or was it also just another thing where we have to kind of keep within this box that we've set ourselves up for? Yeah, there, you know, there's there's a temptation to church these up and make them big and add a lot of stuff, but I think, you know, for us, we work best when we set out to make a record and we have limits and we have rules for our record. And our rule for this record was we want it to feel incredibly personal. And we recorded this whole thing at my house. Uh, we self-produced it, self-recorded it, and so I, I, we really tried to stay true to what we set out to do in the first place, which was make something that felt like you were sitting around listening to songwriters sing their songs right in front of you. This episode of New Slang is brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Blue Light has long been the heart and soul of the Lubbock singer-songwriter scene and has been a home away from home for some of Texas Americana country and rock and roll's finest over the years. Talk with 99.9% of the songwriters who have come out of Lubbock and the panhandle at large over the past 20 years, and they'll point to just how integral and necessary the blue light is. With live music and touring slowly but surely coming back, spots like the blue light are getting back to their usual ways as well. That means music every night of the week. Do you want to see that schedule? Well, I've got a few options for you. One, go to their socials and give them a follow. That is at Blue Light Live on Twitter, at The Blue Light Live on Instagram, and of course, by just searching The Blue Light Live on Facebook. They're consistently posting that week's lineup of shows, as well as those heavy hitters that ought to be on your calendar that are coming up on the horizon. Two, check out bluelightlubbock.com as well. There they have the full schedule, the cover charges, time, any of those specials that may be happening. While there, go check out their merch page. They have a wide range of hats, koozies, hoodies, sweaters, beanies, jackets, and so much more. You can, of course, get all of your merch needs when you go see your favorite band. Take the stage at Blue Light. Just ask the bartender and they will get you all set. Speaking of which... That's another great way of seeing who's playing there. Just go to the Blue Light. It's at 1806 Buddy Holly Avenue here in Lubbock, Texas. And of course, again, that is bluelightlubbock.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes too. Maybe I'll see you there. Okay, let's get back to the show. Was uh, obviously like this past year, it really just made everyone's plans just go out the window put on hold um was this like born out of the pandemic or was this something that like you guys kind of had in the the back pocket regardless of of time and situation you know to be honest with this this was uh i gotta say it was kind of born out of the pandemic what the pandemic did was give us time to do something like this because typically you know we're we're touring so much um, that we don't have time to do. It's more musical exploration. We don't have time to do 
to do explorations like this. And it's a lot us to have that time in the midst of writing another full length album. Mm-hmm. And so, which, you know, we just got, we were in the studio last week in Fort Worth, uh, recording our next full length album, which, you know, was an awesome experience, went incredibly well. Um, but we were able to write that album in the midst of recording, you know, this, this, uh, this EP. So our, we've missed playing live, but we've tried to make the best of it and utilize our time and, and really, uh, be able to set ourselves up to be able to come back to live and to touring with a lot of new songs to share with people and be able to play completely unique shows and play songs that people, a lot of songs that people have never heard before live songs that we've never played before live, to be frank. Yeah. That must be like one of those things where it's exciting. It should be exciting for all parties. A little bit of that, like, Oh man, like uh, this is almost not necessarily like starting over, but like you guys are in for, Maybe like as far as you guys speaking to the, to an audience, like this is almost like just just trust us on this uh, journey of uh, new songs and new material. Even if like you know we have enough new material because of all these different various projects to fill up a whole show. Yeah, you know we were actually talking about this in the studio because we were uh, there was one song that we recorded this past week, and you know we were asking ourselves, do we feel like this is you know, this fits with the others. And ultimately the conclusion we came to is yes, we feel like it fits it. We put it on the record. Thank you. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, we, we, we do feel like it. We came to the conclusion that we did feel like it fit. We put it on the record. And what we talked about was the fact that our fans are willing to stick with us through, through different projects and albums give us the freedom and the autonomy to make the music that we're inspired to make which as an artist as a writer as a musician that's the pinnacle that's the that's to have a fan base that will stick with you through you know different stylistic explorations and um, different creative endeavors it feels incredibly empowering to know that your fans have got your back and they're going to stick with you. And they're going to, as long as you, you are putting out quality music and you're putting your heart into it and you're, you're not just, you know, as long as you believe in what you're doing, which everything we're putting out, we believe in, we, we, we feel like our fans match that and they believe in it as well. And um, it's been, it's, it's a cool place to be. Yeah. I think like, you know, I can see it on both sides as far as being a fan because, you know, a lot of times I think the some fans just want you to do the exact same thing over and over again um, in just a different form because of just like the they loved whatever that was that where they bought in for the very beginning, whatever it was. And there's like, yeah, this, they like, want you to make the same yeah. album for. Yeah. They want you to make your first album four mm-hmm. times in a row. But like, yeah, you know a lot of my favorite bands are bands that you kind of look back and go, Oh, I like grew with this band at the same kind of rate that they were growing. And those are the ones that like are, are the timeless ones. Yeah. I've, it's interesting because I look at our Spotify demographics and I look at different, um, I look at different 
indicators that tell me, you know, what is, what does our fan base really look like aside from, I guess that's the only thing you have to go by when you can't play shows, when you're playing shows, you get to look into people's faces. But when you're at home for a year and a half, uh, all you have to go by is metrics. And so it's interesting because our fan base has definitely grown with us, not only creatively, but also physically. Most of our fans are, you know, about our age, they're in their 30s and they're thinking about different things in their life as we are. A lot of our fans have kids now. And, um, and so it's been cool to write about things that we're going through and things that we're experiencing and changes that we're feeling and, have, and, and, and be able to write about those things earnestly as we're experiencing them for the first time and have our fans be right there with us and, and, and experiencing those things as well. And, you know, we, we love our first album, but we, we couldn't write our first, our first album was, was, was something we're really proud of. It was a really cool moment. We were young, hungry, full of piss and vinegar. And we, you know, we didn't know what we were doing and, we couldn't make that album again if we tried a hundred times, but we have to appreciate that album and that moment in time for what it was. And we have to keep creating in a way that we believe in and we have to trust that our fans are going to believe in it as well. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey learning to trust ourselves creatively too, and not make the album we think we should make and instead make the album we're inspired to make. And that was something we really struggled with on our second album. I feel like our third album, San Isabel, we started to find our true north again. And this next album, I feel like we've, we've settled into a voice that is our own more than we ever have. Yeah, like that, that pressure of, you know, and maybe it's not even necessarily like pressure in, the, in this bad sense, but pressure of like, okay, well, this this worked before. Um, is this exactly? Is this what they're wanting again? Um, you know, and, yeah. and and is it like? Do you follow your voice, or do you do you listen to those other outside voices that you're thinking that may that, that you at least perceive that are there that are like? Well, I mean, do do we try and recreate that again? It, it's such an interesting thing because I think a lot of artists once you get in your 30s, you kind of realize, you know, you should approach records as like that snapshot of wherever you were in that point and just letting it be there because, um, and even at that, like sometimes you, you try and like, uh, if you try and perfect something too much, um, you're going to be working on it forever in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, and it's not only that, it's just for us, I think it's really been learning to trust ourselves Mm -hmm. because, you know, with our second record, it was like, oh, we need we need another California. And California was our song that really gave us a career. And it was like, well, we got to write another California. And the more we tried to write another California, the more we wrote a bunch of songs that felt like we were just trying to write another California, which is a pitfall in and of itself. And instead of just writing purely from a place of inspiration and trusting that that we could create new songs and trusting that people would like the new songs that we created and and that they didn't have to be just more of what was successful about the first album. Because when you're writing your first album, no one's expecting anything. 
So you have no pressure of time. And nobody has anything to compare it to. So there's no pressure in that way either. And so it's a, it's a really special time, I think, in a writer's journey, that first album. They're, because they really are writing from a place of blissful ignorance and zero, <laughs> and zero pressure. It's just you can never get that again. Yeah, as you mentioned, like you used a, a term that my dad would use a lot growing up, and that's the piss and vinegar, the the yep. inexperience of it all, right? The uh, yeah. there's some freedom in that, and like a lot of times, I think back about that time in my life and go like, man, um, just to have a little bit of that freedom again, just to yeah, <laughs> that's so our our new album is called Young Man, and it's about it's about that. And it deals a lot with age and um, and sort of the slow march towards wisdom, but also the steady march away from youth and that that paradox and the good and the bad sides about that and just trying to trying to embody some of that youthful haphazard guns blazing, just go for it mentality. And, you know, I think your thirties are a really interesting time because it, you know, having kids changes you, gives you a lot of perspective, you know, um, marriage changes you and maybe you own a house, maybe, you know, you, you got a lot more responsibility. You, you kind of, you know, your twenties, you get to have, you get to have a, a, get to experience a lack of responsibility, you know, not so much later on. And so, uh, that our new album is, it talks about a lot of that and a lot of those, uh, transitions and thinking about our parents as they get older and just really looking at, there is a theme throughout the album of age and the passage of time and how that affects all of us. Yeah, I, I think that's really great. I, I love that uh, because it, it is very much, I think, something that we all obviously experience. Uh, this is talking from even a little bit of privilege, but I think like a lot of times through your 20s, you almost act as like if there's a safety net because like you always kind of, at least for me personally, I knew that like if I fucked up, in some way, you know, you had family as that, that, that safety net, your parents to help you out. But at 30, when, when you start a family, when you start transitioning into this point in your life, you kind of feel like you have to, you have to keep, you have to pick up that responsibility of not necessarily being that person. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting time. Um, yeah. And you have so. a mental safety net made completely woven of ignorance because you just mm -hmm. don't think about consequences the same way. And you still think you're invincible and you still think that, you know, things don't have repercussions and ramifications like they do when you start to, when you've started to experience some of that stuff. And so it's just, everything's a little bit simpler when you're younger, just because you don't, you don't worry about stuff as much. And there can be some good that comes from that. Mm -hmm. You know, there can be, especially creatively, and so, yeah, that was, we, that, 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 that thought and that 
the idea of that inspired a lot of our writing over the last year or so. Yeah. Well, I'll get you out on this last one right here because you mentioned this new record. Uh, mm-hmm. On Instagram, you guys you you guys posted about recording in Nile City Sound, Robert Ellis, Josh Block. How did the yep. how, how did that get to that point? As far as uh, working with Robert Ellis, who I think is just kind of a, a musical genius. Robert's awesome. He's um, it's we're we're excited. I mean, that's uh, gosh, incredibly excited. So we uh, we went out to. Huntsville, my family's ranch out there. It's been in my family since the seventies. It's a big plot of land. And, uh, we recorded a lot of the songs for the album out there as sort of demos and sort of an exploratory session. And we thought maybe we'll use some of these for the, for the album. Maybe we won't. And we wrote a couple songs when we were out there and what that eventually turned into was really the backbone for an album. And so we took those demos and we sent them to Robert and Josh. And we've been fans of, of uh, Josh's work, you know, with Leon Bridges mm-hmm. and Camp. And, you know, he's, he's done some great stuff out there. And we also thought it would be cool to, we like the idea that the studio was in Texas. And to try to form, you know, to 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 contribute artistically to, to the Texas community of songwriters and musicians and people making legitimate music with, you know, that are going out and touring around the country and with music that was born and, and bred in Texas. And so, um, Fort Worth has a really cool cultural community, you know, scene happening and, uh, and, you know, Nile city sound, that studio out there, uh, is a real, is a real kind of centerpiece of, of a lot of that. And so it was really cool to get into the studio. The studio is incredible. And, um, we, we've known Robert for, uh, a few years now, and I've always respected him as a guitar player and a musician. Um, the guy's just incredible. And so it, you know, we talked to Robert, we said, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about producing records? And he was like, yeah, I actually have been producing some stuff and let's make a record. And we, the rest was kind of history. We decided to make the record about two weeks before the first day of recording. So it, it <laughs> happened pretty fast. Um, he came down to Austin the next week. We worked on a few songs together. We wrote one together and worked on some arrangements, some of the other songs and headed up to Fort Worth the week after that. And we recorded the whole album in about seven days and it's going to be 10 songs. And, uh, it's, it's cool. The album's going to be different. It's, uh, Robert's playing acoustic guitar. I'm playing additional acoustic guitar. Um, we have a gentleman named Ross Holmes on the fiddle and Will Van Horn on the pedal steel and Nick and Ed, you know, our, our drummer and bass player for the last 10 years, um, holding down the rhythm section. So the band's incredible. Um, and it's, it's looking like Robert this isn't for sure yet, but uh, it's looking like Robert might be coming out on the road with us in January of next year to um, support his solo album and also play, uh, play with us, uh, helping to bring these songs, you know, these songs to the stage. So we're excited about that possibility as well. It could be a, a really cool, fun show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds uh, amazing. You have to 
make a stop here in Lubbock, Texas. So absolutely, would love to see that show. Robert's just phen- phenomenal. As as every as everything you've just said there, um, yeah, it's great how you guys struck while the iron's hot, if you will, getting that together we, super quick. We did, yeah, we made it happen fast, and uh, right now we're kind of albums and mixing, but. Uh, the first song for that comes out this September and, um, and the new album, uh, comes out in January along with, uh, you know, uh, tour that basically takes us to every, every market around the country, every city around the country. So I don't even know, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying all this stuff. But whatever. <laughs> well, I've seen uh, the, uh, you brought it up, and then I obviously I saw the Instagram post, and I thought, well, yeah, I mean, we can, yeah, well, I, whatever, it. <laughs> it'll be fine, it'll be fine. So, yeah, um, you know, every, they, everybody wants to have all these strategic plans and stuff, and uh, so I don't know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't, it, I don't think it matters, but it's, you know, yeah, I, I think, uh, give something to uh, to think about until September, so. Absolutely. Uh, rumor and innuendo. So, um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, man, it's been really, really great talking with you this morning, and um, looking forward to to the new record and everything. Absolutely, the feeling is mutual. Really appreciate you having me on, supporting the band. You know, helping to spread the word about what we do. You know, it's it's awesome to have that support. So we surely do. All right, that is it for this episode. Be sure to check out Jamestown Revival's latest EP, Fireside with Louis L'Amour, if you haven't just yet. Stop on over and visit our presenting partners over at Desert Door and the Blue Light Live. Hit that subscribe button. And yeah, I'll see y'all next week for more episodes.